0: On this episode of Inside the Nest, we speak with a proud KSU alumnus, Mickey Dunn. I'm Nolan Alexander. Thanks for finding us today. We get to hear the story of Mickey Dunn, a Hall of Fame member at Southern Tech. He was a four-year starter in center field for the Hornets. Mickey didn't graduate from Southern Tech, though. He had a lucrative job opportunity that left him to pursue the corporate world. Fast forward now to the CEO of ML Industries that has serviced over 548 million cars with automotive safety equipment and automotive trim. It saved over 20,000 lives. And now with the coronavirus pandemic, ML Industries has shifted some of its production to PPE to help out all of us Americans. Mickey came back to Kennesaw State 37 years after his final class at Southern Tech to begin his classes at Kennesaw State to finish his degree. He graduated in July of 2018, and before he accepted his diploma in December of 2018, he gave the commencement address at the graduation ceremonies that year. An incredible story. Mickey Dunn is a prime example of what it takes to succeed. A hard work ethic, loving your family, and loving your associates. It's Inside the Nest with Mickey Dunn. We're proud to let you know that it's brought to you by Fifth Third Bank, the official bank of Kennesaw State Athletics. Fifth Third Bank, working hard to make banking a fifth third better. Visit 53.com for more information. So here we go. It's Inside the Nest with Mickey Dunn. Mickey, we appreciate you joining us today. Where are you dialing in from? I'm dialing in from Fredericksburg,
1: Texas, uh, just outside of San Antonio and Austin. And how are things in Fredericksburg right now? Uh, Nice and warm today here. It's (laughs) going to be a a 90s day.
0: (laughs) What do you do to combat that Texas heat in the summer? (laughs) Well, not a whole lot, actually. I actually like it. Um, I actually play a
1: lot of golf, which doesn't help combat it at all, but... uh, uh, just uh, try to stay indoors a little bit with the air conditioner on full blast.
0: There you go. Now, your company, or the CEO of ML Industries, has revamped some of its product line due to what's transpired with the coronavirus. Can you enlighten us on the direction that some of your company's taking right now?
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so we've uh, aggressively moved into manufacturing PPE, specifically face masks and surgical gowns. And we've been able to get several of our people back to work to do this. We got an order from Ford Motor Corporation to do about 500,000 surgical gowns that they will distribute. uh, Probably, I'm guessing in Michigan in that area, uh, since uh, a lot of their assembly plants are there in Detroit area. So, um, and we're also doing masks. We're doing the face masks for a lot of our uh, customers uh, as. This has become the new norm now that you have to wear these things to go back to work. So most of our customers are mandating that with their employees. So we hopped uh, on top of this and uh, started uh, making those. We're making about 40000 a week right now. And uh, so we also made a significant donation uh, uh, to the local city in Mexico where we do manufacturing. And uh, that's, that's helped them out quite a bit.
0: What's that like to make that transition from what you had been doing with the automotive safety industry to start to make PPE? Is that a fairly easy well, transition I, um, or is it difficult?
1: I, you know, our business is about saving lives. And uh, so we're just doing it in a different manner. Uh, uh, the manufacturing certainly is a little different, but not that much. And we have all-star associates at are willing to change and do whatever they can to help out. And uh, it's been a, a very rewarding experience to know that we've probably saved a few lives during this process.
0: Did that make it kind of an easy decision to make, given that your company is in the process and in the value of saving lives to be able to go, okay, there's a need for this. And it also aligns with our mission and our vision.
1: Yes, that was pretty much. Yeah. It's just, it's what we do every day. You know, we're, our primary product is, the, is making a, an airbag for Uh, automobiles Uh, right now there's 470 million vehicles in the world with at least one of our products in them either an airbag or steering wheel or a um, seat cover we do a lot of trim as well but the life-saving stuff is obviously the airbags and so yeah that aligned perfectly with us and that's why i think ford came to us and and recruited us to do this so uh, it was a it was a great great uh, opportunity for us to show that we can do different things and be successful doing different things. And that's what we've done so far.
0: Is this something that's going to be seasonal or is this something that's going to be permanent within ML industries?
1: Anytime a crisis happens, there's good and bad. And we try to look for the good. And uh, the good thing that's come out of this is we have realized that there's going to be a need for this type of product year round. And we're going to move a percentage of our manufacturing capabilities to manufacturing these uh, uh, PPE products. And uh, that will be something we do going forward, probably for the rest of uh, our lives. So,
0: Mickey, it's so exciting to see how your company has evolved in a true American dream and your story as well. And we were talking earlier and you told me you weren't exactly born with a silver spoon in your mouth. How was Mickey Dunn raised and how has your younger years impacted how you are right now?
1: Well, um, yeah, I grew up, uh, a very humble lot, to say the least and, uh, silver spoon. I don't think I even have a spoon. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, you know, I grew up in a, uh, a great family, actually, uh, uh very loving, uh, mom and dad. And, uh, and I always had the desire to do something big and baseball sports was, you know, an avenue that I took that allowed me to get to where I am today. And I, um, had no plans on going to college, ended up signing a baseball scholarship and uh, ended up playing four years, starting four years and was inducted into the hall of fame in 2015. But the desire to be successful, you know, it's just like you want to win in sports and it's just like that in life as well. So I ventured out and uh, started up a little small company, me and 14 associates working all day long. And and I would work to the wee hours of the morning sometimes, uh, spreading and cutting fabric for t-shirts and sweatshirts and it just blossomed into uh, what we are today. I have to give a lot of credit to the associates because we have the best in the world and they're the smartest I've ever worked with and there's nothing they can't handle and I, I put some challenges in front of them. They're always successful and I have a lot of confidence in them and it's allowed me to go out and, and do and become what I have today.
0: Mentioning associates, it's something that's core to what you do at ML Industries. The first part of your mission statement says to improve the standard of living for each and every associate, and then when you speak of your key ingredients for your business, to start the foundation with great people, overachievers who go over and above the call of duty. Did growing up with parents who loved you and in that house of love really affirm of when you had this business start to rolling of we can't lose sight of people first.
1: Well, I had the opportunity to work just like these associates do out on the floor. Um, I grew up, uh, you know, in North Georgia in the carpet industry. At age 16, you could actually have a job in the carpet industry. So uh, most of my summers and and time off from school, like during Christmas break and so forth, I, I had a job. I worked and I did manual labor just like these people do for me. And that's something that I really feel is a huge advantage that I was able to to understand their thinking and where they came from and how difficult it is some days. You, know, you don't feel great some days, but you're still going and work hard. and it's, um, it's a sacrifice, and I can identify with those people, and I'm very close to them. When I walk through the factories, which I don't do a whole lot, but what I do is um, everyone wants to talk to me, and I like that a lot. That's really... Uh, it tells me that I'm doing something right when people are not afraid to come up and say hey and ask about my family, ask about their family. We are a big family, and people appreciate that a lot. And and you know, I might be in charge, but they're the they're the all stars. They're the ones that do the jobs day in day out, and they know it better than anyone else out there. They they uh, can either make you or break you. And uh, we uh, we have a, a lot of great people that are driven to be successful. work out on the factory floor
0: when you were 16 and you held that job in the carpet industry also playing baseball as well and you had the collegiate interest to attend southern tech what was it like trying to decide between that and then ultimately trying to manage playing baseball going to school and holding down jobs as well
1: yeah and that was uh that was tough but you're young and you got a a a lot of energy (laughs) thank goodness and uh uh, yeah, I, I always had a job even when I played baseball, and I worked hard, so they allowed me to work the hours I wanted to work, so it never really interfered with with baseball. But uh, uh, you know, it's just something I loved to do. Baseball was my life, and uh, um, I was never too tired to pick up a bat or a glove and go out on a on the field and practice. and And it it was a it was a great experience. And you know, it's just balancing what you love and uh, working was a necessity. that I had I had to do. Uh, baseball was something I enjoyed doing so I was able to balance both of those what
0: kind of a baseball player were you
1: (laughs) I was a scrappy kid Uh, you know 135 pounds and you know (laughs) uh, played center field started off four years hit lead off Um, but played hard played I never walked off the field or walked onto the field I respected the game so much that um, anybody that ever played with me will tell you that I always ran hard onto the field and ran hard off the field. And that's the way I've lived my life as well.
0: We'd like to take a moment to thank our healthcare partner, Wellstar Health System. At Wellstar, their mission is to enhance the health and well-being of every person they serve. Their vision is to deliver world-class healthcare to every person, every time. I hope you're enjoying Inside the Nest with Mickey Dunn. As a reminder, this podcast drops every week, so go on ahead and subscribe and rate, if you haven't already, on your favorite podcast platform. It highlights the one KS community of student-athletes, alumni, and KSU community members as well. It's Inside the Nest with Mickey Dunn. What would you say to Mickey Dunn, who goes through... Uh, let's say you're playing a doubleheader on a hot Saturday and you got to balance your studies as well. And then you got to shift later on that night. If you could go back to them right now and say, Hey, it's all going to work out for you. You're going to be in the hall of fame at Southern tech and Kennesaw state. And you're going to go on to start a multi-million-dollar business that is going to save tens of thousands of lives.
1: Well, i got to tell you, um, at that time I really didn't think a whole lot about that and uh I just took it a day at a time and tried to be successful each day and I think it's what you got to do as a young person is uh you need to be consistent in what you do you need to show up for class every day you need to go the extra mile study hard and if you're working you need to excel as well you need to set an example for everyone that's what I wanted I, I, I worked for some um, fortune 500 companies after college and uh I was always promoted because number one, I was always the first one there. Like uh, I was required to be there at 8 a.m. I was an industrial engineer or plant manager or something. I'd always show up at seven and I'd always leave late. I wanted to set an example for everyone that was there and it, it paid off for me. And, you know, I, I've taken that same approach in my own business and uh, it, it's really worked out. It's, it's, it's nothing, you know, it's not brain surgery, it's just hard work and consistent work and and just doing what you should do. And that's what I've tried, to always, uh, I've tried to always live my life that way.
0: You were faced with an interesting decision towards the end of your collegiate career. You had about a quarter's worth of credits to go for your degree at Southern Tech, and you also had job offers as well. You chose the job offers. What went into that decision, and what was the first opportunity you had then?
1: Well, um, yeah, I got a very nice job offer with a company called VF corporation there's still today the world's largest publicly held apparel company. They own Wrangler and Lee jeans and North Face and it goes on and on Majestic. And, um, got an offer, uh, even though I had not completed my degree an offer to go to work for them, uh, in Jasper, Georgia as a trainee industrial engineer, so to speak. And, uh, I was lacking about a quarter uh, to, to graduate cause I'd set out a quarter and worked, uh, because I needed to. And, um, I ended up going there, and they promised me they would allow me to go back to college, which they did. But I got busy. Yeah, I got married. I had a child. I mean, got bills to pay, and college all of a sudden wasn't in my, uh, on my horizon, so to speak, to complete my degree. And uh, so worked my way up through the ranks, got promoted several times, uh, and then ended up starting my own company at age 30. And But there was something that was just lacking in my life. And that's that degree that had deluded me, so to speak. And so I, uh, about two years ago, I'm in Aspen, Colorado. And I woke up and told my wife, I said, I'm going back to school. <laughs> and she said, I'm 100% behind you, so do what you got to do. And uh, flew down to uh, Kennesaw State and met with the people and realized I only lacked about 16 hours to graduate. So I took all 16 in the summer, which was Probably not advisable because of the couple of the courses moved very, very quickly. Two weeks was the length of two of the courses I took, and about 10 or 11 weeks of information I, I had to deal with. But uh, made it through, made all A's, got my degree officially on December 7th. I actually graduated, I think it was uh, July the 7th or something like that. 27th, that's when it was, July 27th. And uh, that, was, that was one of the most fulfilling moments of my entire life is being able to walk up there on stage, pick my degree up, and then I did the commencement speech for the university. So that was pretty cool.
0: I want to walk back to when you first began the steps of going back to finish your degree at Kennesaw State. Okay. What emotions did you feel on that plane ride into Atlanta? Was it nerves, excitement, anxiety? How did you feel?
1: It was all of the above. It was a lot of nerves, a lot of excitement, anxiety. I didn't know if I could do this. I'll be honest with you. I've been out of school for thirty some odd years. And to go back and to not only, you know, take four classes, but you're you've raised the bar a lot over the years. And back when I was in college, I was a upper C student, low B student. And today it's a totally different ball game. I wanted to make And a and everything i did but yeah i was very nervous and i just wasn't sure i could do it and the first couple of days uh were very hectic and to the point i told my wife i said i'm just not sure i can do this you know this is uh maybe it's just not meant for me to 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 finish this degree and uh, she got behind me and said you know you you don't do this you you've been successful in a lot of things and you can be successful in this so she pushed me and uh, i was studying 40 hours a week and you know just shut down my uh, my interest in the company so to speak and uh for for those several weeks that i was back in school but uh it was man it was great it was phenomenal to you know you, you take a test and make an a it's just a point 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 feeling it is it's
0: amazing did you have much interaction with your fellow classmates in any of those classes
1: not a whole lot um you know I'm, i was a lot older and uh, so there was not a whole lot of interaction and most of it was done online too so you know it might be some chatting and stuff like that done about a subject but that's that's pretty much it
0: I was just curious if you happened to chat or be in a video project with someone and here they are thinking oh this is another 18 19 20 year old in class with <laughs> me and and not someone who has a wealth of life experience
1: yeah the most interesting thing was uh, we would have uh, we'd have these projects that were do like, uh, let's say on Friday and I would do mine on Monday and it was already done. It's already posted. So everybody could see it. So you would see about 200, uh, you know, views of my post <laughs> on Thursday. And then they would all submit their stuff on Friday, just like I did back then when I was 18, 19 years old, I would wait till the last minute and do everything. And, uh, so it was pretty comical. I would post my, my, uh, you know, my project and then I would get all these views and then they, they would post like the next day. So it was pretty cool.
0: You mentioned that you got to give your commencement speech at your own graduation. I, I have never heard of that happening before and I'm not sure that may happen again. I think that is incredibly unique and well-deserved for what you had done. When you were thinking of what to say in that commencement speech, what ideas bounced around? I mean, it, it was a beautiful speech, and I know it really motivated the graduates then, but when you started to form it, you thinking, I have a unique platform here to speak to people that I may not normally have this opportunity. What did you want to hone in on?
1: I wanted to hone in on that, You know, regardless of how tough life is, we live in a great country, and there's lots of opportunity out there, and you can write your own book about what you want to do in life. Uh, you know, I'm a prime example. I grew up dirt poor and today I own a company with five thousand employees. And that's what this country's about. And if you're aggressive, the sky's gonna be the limit. If you're lazy, you're probably not gonna be very successful. But that's pretty much what I honed in on is, um, yeah, I'm just a typical guy, you know, and and I work hard. There's opportunities out there, you gotta find them. They're not gonna come and knock on your door, you gotta go find them and and, but if you want to be successful, you will have an opportunity. You don't have opportunities like I did or anybody else before me or after me. And that's what I honed in on.
0: We'd like to take this time to thank our proud partner, Coca-Cola, for being the beverage choice of KSU athletics events. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Inside the Nest is also brought to you by The Indy, Kennesaw's newest student house community. The Indy is now accepting applications for the fall of 2020. Visit www. LiveTheIndy.com for more information. See what elevated student housing looks like. I saw a picture of you from graduation, sitting back in in the crowd of students and graduates. Did the person sitting next to you know that you were going to give the commencement speech, or was it a complete surprise? They said Mickey Dunn, and they happen to look to their left and they say, "Oh, what, what are you doing? Why are you getting up?"
1: Actually, uh, this is what happened. Uh, uh, I actually did the commencement speech first when we walked in. I went up on the stage with President Pamela Quinton and sat with her, and then I gave the speech, and then I went and sat down. So yes, uh, the person did know uh, obviously that uh, I just given the speech and uh, uh, and thanked me for it and shook my hand and everything. So it was pretty pretty nice of them, but uh, yeah, it was you know my largest crowd I've ever spoke in front of. It was uh, it was great. Uh, I practiced and studied hard for. The speech that I wrote, I wrote the speech myself, but when I got on the stage, a lot of other things started happening and I deviated quite a bit from <laughs> from the speech that I had written and, and just uh, ad-libbed uh, a lot of it and just told about my life and about my my story
0: and uh,
1: you know where I am today and
0: how I got there. Did not know that. It, you were so well-spoken up there and, and you really humanized yourself as you just said. Where is public speaking rank as far as uh, difficult things you've had to overcome? Was it more difficult to get the urge and act on it to register for classes or seal the deal there and give the commencement speech? (laughs) Well, actually, I've had a
1: a few opportunities over the past year or two. Actually, a year or two prior to giving that speech to speak publicly. And and that's something that's always been a, a challenge for me. I'm not good at it. I don't feel like I'm good at it, and I'm always nervous. But the more you speak publicly the more confidence you get in your ability and that's what what has happened to me over the years i i'm an advocate for term limits here in texas i would like to see all of our politicians uh come in serve x amount of years and get out and not make it you know a, a life profession if you will uh, from the taxpayers uh pocketbook and so I've, I've spoken a lot of towns midland houston dallas and and others uh about this and we have really gathered a lot of steam,
0: uh, and I've been the one that's uh, behind this whole movement. Interesting. So another challenge that you've overcome in life and, and reading of your past is you mentioned that company you started when you were 30 years old. Things didn't exactly go a- according to plan, and there's a little bit of a rough spell in the early part of your business career. Can you take us back through that, and then what changed and led you over the hump to where you were able to expand into Texas? What was the difficult part of your career?
1: The difficult part was the lack of, uh, you know, working capital. And that's what haunts most new business startups is they're not, you know, well capitalized. And that's what we dealt with as well. And I had two partners at the time. Today, my son and my wife and I own the whole business. But uh, back then, I had two partners. And I had one that was very, very conservative, uh, one that was middle of the road and made that's significantly aggressive. And my company never really took off until I took the company over 100% myself. Uh, we got to a crossroads back in 2000 where I wanted to get out of the apparel industry. We were still making like collegiate type wear for Champion and Under Armour and Nike and some of those. And I wanted to get out of it. It was just a bad business that... Uh, there's just no loyalty from customers and I want to get into the automotive industry. And I'd met Milliken and company out of uh, Georgia, and we started working on some stuff and with a promise to get into the airbag side. And I went to these guys and told them I needed them you to know, step up and I they said, they're not interested and I bought them both out. And it was a, it was a good deal and nobody was upset with each other and we still speak to each other and all that good stuff. But um, the company never took off until I took control of it and led it into the direction that I needed it to go. These guys were investors, so they didn't work in the day-to-day aspect of it like I did. They didn't know the employees. They didn't know you know, what really was going on uh, other than a balance sheet, and we were in bad business. And so I really the company never really took off until we, we got out of that business and, and got into something like today. If you get an award from, say, Honda, it's five to seven years. You do the same thing for the next five to seven years. In apparel it's it's different I mean sometimes you can work long term sometimes it's just a few months and you never have stability and you can't do much for your employees uh, when it's like this because you're just trying to survive and luckily today we're out of that and uh, into a, a very great business that uh, cares about its vendors and uh, and and takes very good care of us but that was a that was a turning point in the company is when when I took it over hundred percent 100 percent owner and, uh, and took it in a different direction.
0: Was it difficult to move a pl- from a place that you had known your whole life, Northwest Georgia, out to Texas?
1: You know, initially it was. Uh, I really like Georgia a lot, I, I do miss it. I still am involved there. I'm involved in a bank that myself and Five Guys started uh, in 19, excuse me, in 2000 uh, in Jasper, Georgia. And so I did get back there. My son lives there and my granddaughters. and. And so back there from time to time. But yeah, that, that was quite a move. Uh, but we're in a small town here. Fredericksburg, Texas is a small town uh, with about uh, 10,000 people in the city limits and another 15,000 out in the county. We live out in the county. It's uh, it's quiet, peaceful. Uh, people are very friendly here. And my wife and I, my wife's from Mexico. So um, this was uh, kind of a, uh, how can I say this, uh, uh I guess we kind of sat down and talked and said, where do you want to live? And this was a compromise on my part, not take her all the way to Georgia, <laughs> but let's take her to Texas. And, uh, so, and she runs the day-to-day operations of our company. She's the one that really worked hard and makes a lot of decisions and is very, uh, successful in what she does and, and has led this company in the right direction. But, uh, yeah, so we, we, moved here. It is different from Georgia, but we. I don't think I could ever move from Fredericksburg, Texas. I just I love the state. I love the city we live in, the town, county, and it's, it's been a great place.
0: And it's got golf for you.
1: Lots of it. Lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> I just have never been able to change that uh, baseball swing to a golf swing. My son has been able to do it. He played at University of Virginia and then also at Georgia. And he's a uh, one handicap. He's a phenomenal player. Uh, I've never been able to make that change. I'm a uh, hacker, as they say, but I have fun. It's a lot of fun to get on the course and play.
0: Mickey, uh, as we wrap this up, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things. One, right now with the game of baseball, some of the changes that the game has really evolved to, I mean, we could have an hours-long conversation on that. But from your time at Southern Tech and kind of the player you were to – what do you see out in the diamond now? I don't know uh, how much Kennesaw State baseball you've been able to catch over the past few years. What are your thoughts on the current state of baseball right now?
1: Well, you know, college baseball love. I really uh, watch a lot of it. Um, I bought this Apple TV box and you can watch all the collegiate baseball games when they're playing, honestly. And I love that, that part of the, the professional side. I was never a great fan of is because it's all about money and and, you know, it's just, it's like, it's a bunch of movie stars out there playing pretty much it. And, but these kids in college are really trying to, to get to the next level. So they work very, very hard. And, and, and it's just, it's, it's fun to watch. Uh, I can't wait till it comes back, though. Um, it's just been, been tough dealing with not having any sports at all, especially baseball and golf, you know.
0: Uh, that was going to be the next part is what have you done to kind of get your viewing fixed on in the absence of live sports?
1: Yeah, that's, that's been tough. It's, uh, you know, it's, I, I, I guess I didn't realize how much I watched sports until it's gone. And then I'm watching reruns, a lot of reruns. And, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think everybody in the United States has been affected negatively with this. And I think we need to get sports back in, in some form or fashion, even fans are not allowed to go or a limited number of fans, so to speak. And, but we, we need, we need this back soon, especially the baseball part of it and football. I'm a big college football fan, so I, I can't imagine us going through the fall without football.
0: I can't either, and I, I'm counting down the days right with you, Mickey. As we wrap up this episode of Inside the Nest, I want to give you an open floor. Is there anything that you'd like to discuss related to your story of everything you've gone through and the business that you've built, your time at Southern Tech and coming back to Kennesaw State? or anything of the like that hasn't been brought up either in this podcast or any of the other speaking opportunity that you like to touch on?
1: You know, not really. I, I would just, uh, just say in closing that, uh, you know, life is a journey. And it's going to take a lot of different turns and twists. And sometimes it's just a straight shot, but it's a journey. And when disappointment comes there's always opportunity right behind it and you got to consider that and and look at that just like what we're going through right now um with this pandemic um there's gonna be some good things come out of this uh simply we're stated that we're gonna treat each other differently and and we'll probably be doing things a lot differently this will help us like washing our hands more and those type of things that we never really thought about but there's also good opportunities that will come out of this business-wise for some people and uh you know, we, you gotta look for the positive the positive and not dwell on the negative. And that's why the way I've lived my entire life is I've always looked at the positive and not put a lot of weight on the negative because you know, it'll bring you down if you let let that out.
0: Mickey, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the wise words to leave us with uh, your time and then what your company's doing right now to help all of us Americans. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Noah. I appreciate the time.
0: I think Mickey Dunn is the perfect example of what the word determination embodies. He's a shining example of Southern Tech and Kennesaw State students. Inside the Nest is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank, the official bank of Kennesaw State Athletics. Fifth Third Bank, working hard to make banking a fifth third better. Visit 53.com for more information. If you enjoyed Inside the Nest, be sure to subscribe and rate us on wherever you consume podcasts. If it's on your phone, computer, tablet, or other device, we're there. You can find out more at ksuowls.com slash podcasts for all the links. I'm Nolan Alexander. Thank you again for joining us today. I hope you continue to stay healthy and safe and go Owls.